Hi, this is Alan Olson, and welcome to American Dreams. I'm busy here today with Porter Ellett. Welcome to today's show. Thanks. It's good to be here. I'm glad uh, you invited me to be on the show. Hopefully, we can do some good things. So, so Porter, uh, before we get into your your path of how you came to uh, join the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff, can you give us an update on your your path in life and um, you know where you went to school and how you ended up in the Kansas area. Yeah, for sure. So I ended up here actually through Coach Reed and the Kansas City Chiefs, but we were at Baylor University, Waco, Texas. Uh, I was attending grad school there, studying sports management, and then working in the facilities at the football stadium, McLean Stadium, as I was studying. So that's how I ended up here. Coach Reed called me, took the job, came to Kansas City. That's a big move coming from uh, Baylor, Texas, up here. Did you grow up in Texas or Kansas? or? No, yeah. So I grew up on a really, well, I grew up on a farm in central Utah, really small town called Loa, Utah, about 400 people. I think on Wikipedia or something it says 500, but I don't know, not very many people. And then uh, after I went to high school and did everything there, I went to BYU for graduate school or sorry, for college. But before I started, I served a two-year mission uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Went to BYU, um, studied economics, ended up my very last semester at BYU. I had one credit hour or two credit hours I needed to finish in economics. And I ended up failing the class, so I had to go back for a whole other semester. But um, I needed to find a job, so I ended up working for the football team. And that's when I fell in love with football ended up realizing that I wanted to work in football. So after I graduated, I worked at Goldman Sachs for almost a year. I worked in their tax department as a tax analyst. And I came home from work every day, you know, and was working a lot of hours. And then I was commuting from Provo to Salt Lake City. Um, So I was a lot of work. And my wife one time, one night, she asked me if I really loved what I was doing. And I, at first I said, yeah, I love what I do. You know, it provides a good living for me and it will support our family and we'll be okay. I like the people I work with. <laughs> you know, I kind of went through the whole list and she said, but do you love what you're doing? And I said, uh, no, like I don't really love taxes. So I like, kind of went through that with her and she said, well, what would you do if you could do anything? I said, well, I think I'd coach. If I could coach, um, I'd go back and do that. But I grew up in a family where my dad coached me, coached me in high school, baseball, basketball, coached me all growing up. And I knew that there wasn't any money in coaching. (laughs) So I kind of told her that. I said, there's no money in it. And she said, well, there is, right? If you do it in college or you do it professionally. I said, yeah, but I, I don't know how you go about doing that. And she said, well, let's figure it out. So I started to do some research on my own, was going to go to grad school to be a coach um, or to be like a GM personnel type of person, work the business side more. And she said, okay, well, let's do it. So we ended up at grad school studying sports management at Baylor, kind of left everything, left my job at Goldman Sachs, moved to Texas um, to pursue, you know, kind of this pie in the sky dream. But I wanted to coach, and that's how I ended up 
you know, doing this. So. Now, you mentioned you did uh, baseball and football. You were active in all the sports during high school. Yeah, well, so kind of a funny story. My high school was uh, so small that we didn't have football. We played fall baseball because the weather in, you know, higher elevation Utah, um, the fall is way better weather for baseball with high school baseball seasons the way they are in the spring, we would have had snow, you know, clear until it was playoff time pretty much. So we played fall baseball and we didn't have enough kids to support baseball and football in the fall. So we didn't even have a football team, but I did play baseball. I did play basketball. I ran track and cross country and I played football on my own, you know, played catch. I had schools um, that were a little bigger in the area. They tried to get me to come play football but I wasn't willing to travel and then also give up baseball with all my teammates. So I, I just stayed and played baseball, <laughs> but so I didn't, yeah, I didn't play football, um, coached baseball, coached basketball after high school as well. You know, it's interesting that you didn't play the sport, but you ended up in the sport for coaching. So yeah, what, what is it like uh, being part of a professional team coaching staff? Um, it's really, you know, you learn a lot every day from the good people that are around you. Um, but you also learn very quickly that people, you know, they don't players and coaches alike, they don't so much care about, you know, your background or, you know, I haven't ever really had a player say like, well, you didn't play, so you don't know, you know, they, they really care about if you can make them better, which is, uh, you know, refreshing to me because they're not going to judge me on, oh, man, he didn't even play in high school. Because to them, that doesn't matter. Um, what does matter is, can you make me a better player today? And then also being surrounded by the coaches that I have been surrounded by, um, that's been a huge blessing because they've taught me, you know, how to coach, what's important, what isn't important, what to focus on, you know, what works, what doesn't. So that's been a huge blessing for me. You know, uh, there, there's a, a the reputation with Kansas City is that they have an excellent uh, coaching staff, and the result is the team has performed very well. How do you get the players as a t acting as a team? Everyone there on the team is good. They're in the pro leagues. But how do you get them to act as a team? Well, I think personally with, you know, with us, it's amazing the leadership that we have as far as players go as well. We have great coaches that, you know, do a great job, but also the players take it to heart. And they're not entitled. They work hard. Our star players show up and they want to win. They care about winning. They care about, you know, doing things the right way. Not only that, but they set the tone for all the younger guys and all the guys that are, you know, role players. And that's huge, especially in football. That's actually why... I told Carly when she asked me what sport I wanted to coach or work in, I said football because of the team aspect, right? You can't – basketball, you can get away with one or two stars and then, you know, everybody else can be, you know, whatever. And then they can have the ball 95% of the time. Um, baseball, it's pitching and, you know, one or two hitters really that get the job done. Football's not that way. Like everybody – has to do their job or it's, it doesn't, or it doesn't work out. So for our, our vets and our star players, their understanding of that, that the younger guys, the role players, they matter. 
Um, that's huge for us. And so I would say the team, the unity we have as a team is a culture set by our leaders, um, players, and coaches alike. And Coach Reed, you know, Coach Reed's at the head of all of it. And he sets the tone for everybody. The things that matter, matter. You know, they say behind every great man is an even greater woman. Uh, can you tell us about how you met Carly? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So at BYU, I got home from serving my two-year mission. And when you get home and you're from a small area, they have you go back to church and talk at all the congregations. So I actually didn't go to our congregation at BYU until I'd been home for almost a month and a half. So I went from, you know, church to church and talked. Um, and then she was at school and I was in her same congregation, but she didn't know. And um, while she was there, uh, she would go visit her grandparents who lived close on Sundays and they would, you know, watch Sports Center and watch sports and hang out. And one night her grandpa, he went downstairs in their basement. And he found this old magazine of me in high school. So 2008, 2007-ish, they did an article on me because I played baseball with one hand. Um, so they did this story and he went down and found the magazine and brought it up to her and was like, hey, you should read this article. So she kind of took a quick look at it. She's like, yeah, seems cool. And, and he was like, well, he's going to go to BYU. So you should look him up or he's at BYU right now. You should look him up. And she just kind of laughed. It's like there's 32,000 undergrads at BYU. You know, like I can't look up this guy. How would I do that, Grandpa? Just Google one arm guy at BYU, you know? And he was like, well, I don't know, but maybe, you know, look him up. See if you could go on a date with him. And he knew about me partly because he worked with one, my aunt. So they kind of set us up a little bit. But she, you know, had, was like, well, whatever. I'll never meet this guy. And one of the Sundays when I was finally back for church at our own congregation at BYU, I knocked on her door collecting money for the church, you know, tithes, fast offerings, tithings from members of the church. And she, uh, she recognized me and she said, are you, you the guy from the magazine? And I was like, yeah. And she just kind of laughed. And in her head, she's like, my grandpa's never going to believe this. So we started dating our first, like four or five dates were, um, sporting events. So she loves sports. She encouraged me you know, to pursue a, a career in sports. And to be honest, she uh, she takes the wins and losses like as personal or more personal than I do. So she's invested and she loves it. And I'm grateful for her. And I mean, without her, just like I talked about earlier, I would still probably be working in taxes at Goldman Sachs, which is a great job, um, but it's not where my passion was. You know, Porter, you've overcome a lot in life and the fact that you've reached a pinnacle of being uh, with a very successful organization as a coach uh, is a great statement. Um, if you got, gave a message to people today that as they're going through the pandemic or their struggles in life, what, what would it be? How would you coach that individual? That's a good, uh, good question. I mean, I thought about this a lot kind of recently, you know, because we all face challenges, even like within my own family. I have, you know, a little girl and a son, two and four, and they have their own little challenges that they face as well. My wife. Um, but I think that the best thing that you can do is just keep moving forward. You know, like just 
keep waking up in the morning and keep um, doing the things that you do. You know, like set a routine, set a, set goals for yourself and just get up and do those things. And I think you'll you'll be shocked by the sense of fulfillment that you have and the amount of power and strength that that gives you. And I think that far too often in the world today, we're allowed to, I don't rely on excuses more than um, just relying on our own persistence and our own ability to overcome things. And for me, the last couple of years, COVID has given a lot of people a great excuse, you know, not to get out of bed in the morning, not to pursue your goals, not to work through a challenge, which is, you know, it is hard. The pandemic's been hard on everyone and it's changed the way that we've lived and the way that we've had to do things. Um, but I think that would be the advice I would offer is, you know, just keep moving forward, keep progressing in your own ways, you know, get up in the morning, get out of bed, um, work out, you know, do your routine and set your routine and just continue to work and push. Um, and that's kind of, I mean, through my whole life, that's kind of been what's pushed me through challenges that I've faced, you know, I like just keep progressing and keep pushing forward. And you'll be surprised that I think the joy and happiness you receive from that sense of fulfillment. You know, I did what I set out to do today. And that's big. It's great advice. Great advice. So when everything's said and done, Porter, uh, when you look back at life, what do you want to be known for? I just think I, you know, I'd like to have a positive impact on the world in general. You know, I'd like to be known as a good coach, a good, you know, all that stuff, a good father, um, a good husband, a good member of, you know, my church, my community. Um, but I think just having a positive impact on those that I left behind, because that's what really carries on is, you know, did you do good while you were here? And did you leave something good um, for other people to see and build on? I mean, that's. It's funny because Coach Reed, he's that's what he is essentially. You know, he he does a lot of winning, he does a lot of that, but he also sets a path for coaches to follow. He has like a great group of coaches that have come from his staffs and that are on his current staffs, and great players that love him and adore him. Um, but he sees the value in you know my legacy is what I leave behind. It's not, you know, what I'm doing in this moment. So, but in order to leave a legacy behind, you have to handle the moment that you're in. So I'd like to also, you know, do that, do great now, and then also leave something great for the generation that comes after me. Beautiful. I've been visiting here today with Porter Rellett at the Kansas City Chiefs. Porter, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. It's been an honor. 